be our helper. And he said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. He said he'd be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And in this portion of scripture that I'm going to preach on tonight about love, we'll need the Lord's help. Because this scripture, I believe, pertains to every single person in this service tonight. And I pray it'll be a help to you as we look in Matthew chapter number 5, beginning in verse number 43 to the end of the chapter. Let's stand together. Matthew chapter number 5, beginning in verse number 43. The title of the message tonight is, Who to Love? Who to Love? Jesus speaking. Let me remind you, this is not Paul that is speaking. This is not Peter that is speaking. This is not a preacher that is speaking. This is the very Son of God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ Himself. This is what Jesus said. We need to listen closely. He says, You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Jesus said that every single person that was there that day had heard this. And I believe it extends into the day that we're living in now. Have you ever heard? He said, you've heard that it's been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. He said, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good. And sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, indeed more than others, do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Who to love? Who are we supposed to love? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the presence of your Holy Spirit in this place. Thank you for the songs that have been sung, the testimonies that have been given. Lord, a testimony from your children encourages me as much as anything that I'll ever be a part of. Thank you for people that brags on you, Lord, that encourages us who get to hear it. A testimony. A testimony. You even said we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And I pray, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, that you would help us for these next few minutes of time. Lord, speak to us through your word. I already know, Lord, there'll be conviction in this service. There'll be some, Lord, that you're dealing with personally. There'll be some 
that you're going to reach down into the crevices of our souls and you're going to pull some things out. God, give us victory tonight in this service. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you for all that you do. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. Thank you so much for being here. You say, you say that a lot, preacher. Thank you for standing. Well, you know, the most valuable thing that you and I have in our possession is the very Word of God. I can't think of anything that is more important than the book that we have in our hands and in our laps tonight. I truly believe it's the infallible Word of God. Do you? I truly believe that holy men of God wrote and spake as the Holy Spirit moved them. I believe that from Genesis to Revelation, this Bible is God-breathed. I believe that. I, I believe it's the very words of God. I can't think of anything any more precious than our Bibles that we have. And I can't think of any other way to reverence God's Word any greater than to stand. For Jesus Christ Himself stood when He read the book. And then he sat down when he preached. He said, well, won't you sit down? It'd help us a lot. It probably would, but I'm so nervous I can't sit down. He would stand and read, and then he would sit down, and he would teach, and he'd preach. And I always thank you for standing, but I always thank you for being here. Because it's a big deal that you're here. It's a big deal that you're here. It's a, it's a, it's a greater deal that your children is across the parking lot for most of you. And then you've got some teenagers that are across the way. This is huge. It's huge that you're here. And I pray we'll never lose sight of that. Who to love in verse number 43 and 44. What have you heard, Jesus says. What have you heard? He says, you have heard that hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. I wonder where they heard that. I wonder where they have heard that before. It's interesting to me. You say, well, I'm sure they heard that in the Levitical law. Well, they heard some of it there, but they didn't hear all of it there. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 19 and verse 18, it says, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That's what the law says in the book of Leviticus. In Romans 13, 10, it says, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Galatians 5.14, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. James 2.8, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then it goes on and says, you do well. So according to the law, Leviticus 19.18, it says, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But then according to the law, Leviticus 19.17, it says, thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. It's interesting to me. So where did they hear that? He said, because you have heard that it hath been said. Well, it's obvious they had heard according to the Levitical law, thou shalt love thy neighbor. But I wonder where they heard the part and hate thine enemy. I wonder where they picked that up at. I've been studying on that all evening. Where did they hear that from? Because Leviticus says love your neighbor, and Leviticus says you cannot hate your brother in your heart. So just maybe, I'll reach out here just a little bit, just maybe they figured if you don't love someone, then the others you must hate. I don't know where they got it from. But isn't it amazing sometimes in our lives 
how we will say things and how we will quote things and how we will say what we have heard and how we will say what we have been taught. It's amazing to me. You have heard. You have heard. As I began to study this, he said, this is what you've heard. And then I wonder here, he says, uh, who is our neighbors? Who would be our neighbors? I guess our neighbors would be those that are closest to us. I guess we could jump on off the cliff and say, our neighbors are those who have the same skin color as we do. Our neighbors would be those of the same religion. Our neighbors would be those of the same nation. And isn't it amazing that's exactly how the Jews believed? And if you or I are not careful, that's exactly the way we'll believe. We'll think the only people that we can love is white people. We'll think the only people that we can love is the people in our own families. If we're not careful, we'll think the only people that we can love is just those that go to church with us. That's not the way Jesus said you're supposed to love. Did you hear that? That's not the love of Jesus. That's not the way Jesus taught that we are supposed to love. Man, so who is our neighbor? I've been really studying and watching some things, and it's really been helping me here lately. You know, I didn't realize in Bible days how much prejudice and racist they was in the Bible during Jesus' day. Between the Jew and the Gentile and the Greeks. And even racists between different types of sects of the Jew, like the Hellenist Jews and the other Jews. It's amazing to me how much division there was in the Bible. And if you're not careful, you'll just look around at your little handful of people and that's the only people you think the Lord wants you to love. But if that's the way you look at it, you're wrong, child of God. How many of us are thankful that Jesus loved you when you was unlovable? How many of us are thankful that Jesus said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How many of us are thankful that Jesus said, I just didn't come for the Jew, but I came for the Gentile alike. Amen? How many of us are thankful that when we are in Christ, we are now one body of believers? All kinds of different people from all kinds of different backgrounds with all kinds of different directions in our life. But look around tonight, child of God. God has brought us all together into this place, different people from everywhere to be one body in Him. And can you imagine what heaven's going to look like one day? But Jesus said, he said, what have you heard? He said, but Jesus said, he said, but I say unto you. Here it is, you ready? Verse 44, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. 1 Peter 2.17 says, honor all men. There's no way. There's no way, preacher. There's no way that that, that I can work it up in my own heart to love my enemies. You know how I treat my enemies? The same way they treat me. You know how I talk to my enemies? The same way they talk to me. 
And then most would even testify to say this if we was honest. It goes right along with what I preached this morning. You know how I treat my enemies? I treat them cold. I treat them cold. I don't speak to them. I don't look at them. I don't get around them. Don't want to have nothing to do with them because they don't want to have nothing to do with me. Hmm. There's no way. There's no way. I know of a man personally who went through some things that hurt him dearly. I know a man personally who went through some things that changed his life. I know an individual who went through some things that hurt them and they will mention it on occasions to me. There is no doubt in my mind that this individual said some things and done some things that caused this person no doubt a lot of sleepless nights and also heard that this individual who had done some things to hurt this man, this brother in the Lord was in a very serious automobile accident and I heard that Every single day that he could, he went to that hospital to check on that man who had done things to hurt him so bad. Went to that hospital to check on that man who had done some things to hurt him and even his family so bad. And even when I talked to this individual on the phone and they told me about what had happened and they told me about what they had done, They even said to me, preacher, pray for them. Pray for them. Wow. That would help us all to hear that story. And it would help you all to realize that that individual is closer to you tonight than you could ever even imagine they are. You say, well, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm telling you, God can God can, God can, God can. But Jesus said, I say unto you, love your enemies. And then he goes on and he says, bless them that curse you. Bless them that curse you. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. When you study that phrase, bless them that curse you, You know what it gives the idea of? It means that you have to speak it. (laughs) Are you with me tonight? To bless them that curse you, you have to speak it. That's what it means. Proverbs 15, 1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. If you're not real careful, and if I'm not real careful, they will be that one who has hurt you. They will be that one who has wronged you. They will be that one. And even Jesus said that they are your enemy. They are your enemy. But he says, you know what? He said, love your enemies. And then he said, bless them, even those that curse you. In other words, No matter what they say to you or about you, he said, use your words 
to speak blessings over them. We got to the part yet to where you're feeling already you can't? I I can't. I don't know how to do it. Preacher, love your enemies and bless them that curse you. 1 Peter 3, 9 says, Not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrary-wise, blessing. Blessing. It goes on. Man, it's quiet in here. <laughs> Somebody go, ooh, or something. Make a noise. Paint your baby. Amen. Do something. We need a little bit of noise. I'm getting nervous because it is quiet in the house of God tonight. Amen. It's quiet in the house of God tonight. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands if you have any enemies. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, and then it says, do good to them that hate you. Did you know that Jesus said, Jesus said it. You're going to have enemies. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said there's going to be some people that hate you. They're going to hate. Man, hate is a strong word. Hate is a very strong word. There's going to be people that hate you. And there's going to be people that hate me. Hmm. Do good to them that hate you. You know what that phrase means? That phrase means it goes deeper than words. Do good to them that hate you means you have to put some legs on it. You've got to to actually physically do something. Do good to the person that hates you. Do good to them. Go see them. Give them a call. Send them a card. Get them a Chick-fil-A card. Now, next time somebody sends me a Chick-fil-A card, I hope you're not sending it because you think I hate you. (laughs) Do good to them that hate you. Do something. It's more than words. Are you with me? It's more than words. Smile. Swallow your pride. Get rid of self. And do good to them that hate you. The fourth thing that Jesus says here is Jesus' words. I'm not going to be much longer, so stay with me. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and this is, this is important, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Whenever you enter into your prayer closet, and I know you do because you're a Christian, the Bible teaches us not if you pray, but it says when you pray. So I know every single one of you is praying. You spend time with the Lord. In your prayer time, on your prayer list, do you pray for those who have treated you wrong and those who have persecuted you? Do you pray for those people? Well, you say, well, yeah, I pray for them. I pray God to kill them. <laughs> I pray God kill them. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you if you've ever prayed that God would kill someone. But I'd be willing to bet some of you have. Because they've done you so wrong. 
I'd be willing to bet there's probably someone here that's probably said, God, do to them what they've done to me. Boy, I'm thankful you're not God. Amen. Amen. I am so thankful that you're not God because probably the only people be left would just be you and yours. Pray for them. Pray for them. You know, they might be someone in this service tonight. You might need to come to the altar and pray for someone who's really done you wrong. You might just need to do that tonight. Pray for someone who has really done you wrong. There's not a person sitting in here of any age that someone hadn't done you wrong somewhere along life's journey. Pray for them that despitefully they used you and they persecuted you. But this is the key, and I want you to see this in closing. Why? Have you ever asked a question when you're reading your Bible, Why, Lord? Some people might say, You don't need to do that. You just need to just. There's some things, a lot of things, when I read it in the Bible, I say, Lord, why? Why are you saying these things? What? This is why. Look at verse 45. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the Son his Son, not the Son, but his Son, the S-U-N, to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same Publicans and sinners is kindly the same terminology. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? But if be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Why, Lord? First thing that the Lord dealt with me about is When you can love your enemies and when you can pray for those who have done you wrong and when you can speak blessings about those people and when you can help them if there's any need that ever arises in their life, you know what it proves? You know what it shows the world? It shows that you're a child of God. Isn't that amazing? It shows that you are a child of God, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. That's what Jesus said. Well, I'm going to tell you how. I'm going to tell you how you can know I'm a Christian. Because I get up here on Sundays and tell all you people I love you. What's well, easy to do because at least 50% of you love me. It's easy. It's easy for me to love my wife and my children. It's It's easy for me to love my son-in-law and my daughter-in-law. It's easy for me to love my grandbabies. It's easy for me to love the people that I hang out with. I mean, man, you ought to know that I'm a Christian. He says, you can tell that you belong to your Father which is in heaven. He said, because you love your enemies. And he said, you speak well of them. And he said, you do good to them. And he said, you pray for them. He said, that's how you can know. That's how you can know. You say, well, Jesus never did it. When Jesus was dying on the cross, he said, Father, what? Forgive them for they. Shows you belong to the Lord. 
You know what else it shows? Verse 46 and 47, he goes on. He talks about what the publicans do. shows you're different from the world. It shows you're different from the world. (laughs) The world loves those who love them. The world treats people good who treats them good. That's what the world does. How much more should you and I as believers love those people and treat those people in a way that the Lord would be pleased with the way that we live? You know, we get so caught up in this thing called kind of like an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We get so caught up into that. We get so caught up in it, well, if they don't speak to me, then I ain't going to speak to them. And if they don't smile at me, I ain't going to smile at them. But we forget so quickly that we are not hurting them. The only person that it's hurting is us. You are a child of God who's supposed to have joy and peace in your life. And if you and I are not careful, we will allow people to rob our joy and our peace. We must rise above that and be what God would have us to be regardless of what anyone else says or does or thinks to us and our families. You got to rise above that child of God. Well, I just don't like you and I just don't like this and I just don't like that. Well, okay. How much more should I pray for them? If you're like me, when you get your feelings hurt or when your family gets hurt, Man, your mind will take you into places that a child of God has no business going. And if you're not careful, instead of praying about a situation, we'll just think about the situation. And I've said it a million times, I'll say it a million and one. There's a big difference between thinking and praying. You can think yourself into a hole. You can pray yourself out of that hole. Amen. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. You got any enemies? Have anyone that's done you wrong? You ever had someone run you down? You ever had someone throw off on you? I probably had somebody throw off on me today. I mean, truthfully. I'm almost probably 100% sure I had somebody throw off on me today. I'm just going to throw off on them. Who do you think did it? I don't know. I'll just throw off on them anyway. (laughs) It shows you're a child of God. It shows you're different from the world. But more than anything, look at this in verse 48. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Don't let that word perfect get you messed up in your King James Bible. There's only one that's perfect, and it was in the last of that. That's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen? So why in the world would Jesus say, be ye therefore perfect? If you study that word perfect in the, in the Greek setting, this is what it means. If you take notes, write this down. That word perfect means complete. It means growth. It means mental and moral character. It means a full age. You ready for this, men? It means to be a man. 
You say, what are you trying to teach us right here? What Jesus is trying to teach us is this. When we can truly love our enemies, when we can truly speak blessings over them, when we can truly do good to them, and when we can truly pray for them, and we can do it without any bitterness or any hard feelings in our heart, and we can do it the way that Jesus is teaching us to do it, Jesus himself says, there you have now found a mature Christian. A mature Christian. You have now just seen a man. A man, not a boy, not a novice, but you have now experienced a spiritual, mature, a full growth Christian. You have just seen someone who is spiritually mature. You ever feel like you're a grown-up, but spiritually you feel like a baby? This shows maturity. And you know what I'm finding here? This last verse in this chapter does not speak of age. It speaks of maturity. And I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. Son, I don't know who you are, but so good to see you. God bless you, buddy. You know this guy right here? Sadly. (laughs) That's good for you. You know what we can learn from children quicker than you can learn it from adults? Forgiveness. You say, oh, they're not mature, they're just kids. Oh, they're not mature, they're just four and five and seven. They're not mature. You get a group of kids together, especially some guys, and there's the coolest monster truck laying there, and a couple of them want it at the same time. They are going to be a fight. And there is going to be an argument, and someone is going to get it, and they're going to rip it from the other one's hands. I don't care how good you raise them. Give them about five minutes, they're good to go. Give them five minutes, he'll lay that car down, the other boy go over there and get it, and you look, and they'll run, and they'll take off together, and they'll play, and they'll just, they act like nothing's ever happened. You get some grown-ups and put them in that same situation, you'll be jacked up for months. You'll be so mad for months. You'll even walk into the house of God and won't even look at them, let alone speak to them. So this maturity here, this full-grown spiritual maturity that Jesus is talking about has nothing to do with our age. You can be the oldest person in here and be the most immature spiritual Christian in the building because you can't handle the pressure. It eats you alive to the point that you hate back. Get you to the point to where you can't wait to say something about that person to someone else. And it's not going to be good. Anytime that happens in our lives, they should be a light bulb that goes off in our souls and we should say this to ourselves, I am so immature spiritually.
I need some help. I'm so immature spiritually. Lord, I need your help because I can't handle it. All right. It's the hardest message I've preached yet on love. So here we go. Is there anyone who needs to come pray for someone who's done you wrong? Is there anyone who needs to come pray for someone who has done you wrong? And you know what you ought to do? Just get up. Come down here in this altar. First off, ask the Lord to forgive you. And ask the Lord to help you to speak blessings and mean it from your heart. And we need to pray and say, Lord, I want to be a mature believer. If there's a need, show me the need. If there's a concern, show me the concern. But Lord, help me to bless those who curse me. And Lord, help me to pray for those who has despitefully used me. And God, help me to be the child of God that you would have me to be, Lord. Help me to be the child of God that you would have me to be, Lord. Would you please do that for me tonight? Would you please do that for me tonight in this service, Lord? Would you help me? Would you help me? Miss Gina's going to play for us and some folks has come to pray. Services like this, man, the Lord can do so much for us. He can just help us lay some things down. Prayerfully, we won't pick them back up. He'll give us victory in our lives so that we can just go on and be and do what God would have us to be and we can say what God would have us to say. Give us strength to be able to do it. Give us victory in our lives, Lord. Give us victory in our lives. I'm going to tell you what hurts more than anything. is the people that should love us the most sometimes can hurt us the worst. Boy, that is hard to ever work your way through. So hard. Give us victory over that. Give us peace. Give us victory, Lord, and give us peace.